This is That Marketing Podcast. Made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to That Marketing Podcast, where today we're talking about B2B events with Amy Stankist, Senior Director of Global Marketing for S&P Global Market Intelligence. Amy has worked in B2B marketing for over 17 years within the finance, tech and data sectors. And as you'll hear in the podcast, she's a staunch champion of custom centricity across all marketing activity. We talked about balancing learning with entertainment at big events, how to build engagement both among attendees and amongst your internal team, and what the future might look like as virtual or hybrid events are becoming more common. Enjoy. So, Amy, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. The first thing I think that comes up when you're planning, um, particularly sort of bigger event, is how do you balance um, sort of learning value with with entertainment when you're creating an event? I know you created the S&P Essentials Conference sort of from a standing start last year. How did you go about getting that balance right? Yeah, I think it's a, a really interesting and critical question whenever you're you're going into an event or, or organizing an event. And we always come back to the the same thing, which is the the customer value and the customer experience. So obviously you've got to think about and consider the type of event that you're running. So it could be anything from uh the 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 kind of smaller uh afternoon event you know which is a couple of hours to our very large event that you know you you referenced which was the essential conference which was a three-day event so that's quite a different ask for customers um who are attending and what they're going to be expecting out of it so we always go back to the what the objectives really what are those objectives for our business what are we trying to achieve through through that event but most importantly the attendees so what are they trying to get out of that event from the, the moment they sign up through that whole process and then when they when they arrive on the day, what are they actually expecting to get out of it? And I think if we're all honest, content has to come first. So the learning content, the kind of exclusive access to some type of information or data or insights that those customers really want to gain to go away and, and take back to their to their normal roles, to their businesses and to add value to their own their own uh, contributions in their jobs. So really we'd start with the content and I would say thinking through the types of speakers you're you're hosting at that event, uh, the subject matter, the hot topics, making sure that you are really tailoring that type of content to the needs of those customers depending on who is attending and I think you've got to do that analysis beforehand to make sure you're getting the content absolutely spot on and tailored to your to your audience. If it's one of those larger events I was talking about I do think it is important to balance the kind of learning and the, the listening intently to, to that incredible content with a bit more light-hearted entertainment type of activities so that could be simple things in between the sessions as people are moving between rooms or um, you know going from one session to another in terms of keynote or to lunch or something like that you can then start to build in uh, entertainment which can be simple uh, people walking around the crowd and, and entertaining them as people are kind of eating their lunch and or networking just to try and keep that kind of interaction going and to 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 bring people together and, and get them talking and kind of break the ice in some way. Um, but it can also be bigger kind of entertainment ideas as well. So when we've had our customers together for two or three days where they're staying overnight, we've put on 
uh, activities such as Segway tours in that city where the event is because if people have travelled they might want the opportunity to go and see the city so tours of the city you know cooking classes that really focus on on the, the local cuisine has, has been sometimes fun to do anything with that kind of local feel that brings people together and gets people talking um, I was actually part of uh, the cooking class I remember last year and it was absolutely fantastic it really got people into groups talking to each other naturally networking really kind of forming a bond so that they then had people to kind of hang out with and talk to throughout that event and they created their own really close networks which I know from you know our follow-ups that people have actually um, continued following that event so not only are we providing the fun uh, and, and the, the entertaining activities but also we're really trying to promote that that underlying networking uh, need that people do have when they go to events um, and sometimes people struggle with networking. It doesn't come naturally to everybody. So these, the entertainment is is really facilitating some of that uh, for people who maybe want to get involved in activity and it just, it, it breaks the ice and it, it makes it just a bit more comfortable for everybody. And you go away feeling good, you've been entertained, you've met some, some hopefully you know, nice people who you want to stay in contact with and you've shared some, some thoughts and expertise and, and thinking with. So it's a win-win all round. Do you think there's a way to encourage that sort of community building in the build up to an event? It seems like you'd have to sort of share some customer data to do that. And I don't know if that's people will be comfortable having their data shared in that in that way originally. It can, it can be quite um, challenging because of data privacy. And, and obviously that's super important. And we always, always make sure we adhere to any data privacy laws okay. and really think about what people are comfortable with. One thing I've seen work quite well, actually, um, and we do this a lot internally with our big internal events, is setting up apps before the event. So if the event is sizable enough where there's enough information to share, you can actually bring people into an app environment where they can share ideas and there is more of a chat function or there is more of a you know polling or people just being able to see people's profiles. There might not be actual contact details on there, so people wouldn't have to give their emails or their phone numbers publicly within the app, but at least, you know, a name, a photograph, and a, maybe a small bio or a job title, just so people can start to see who else is being engaged within that event. Um, I've seen that, you know, work on webinars as well, so more on the virtual events where you can just see a sort of snapshot of the type of people who are also signed into that event. but. I think the, the app sort of environment makes people feel a bit more um, just tr it's more of a trusted environment where they feel like they can share a bit more. It's not something that's kind of being publicized out there on, on the Internet for you know everybody to, to look at and to, to, to watch. Yeah, you, you touched there on um, internal events as well. I suppose the other side of that is buying, getting internal buy-in, especially for events in terms of getting enough of the company behind them to create that experience. Mm -hmm. Is there, a, is there a, a blueprint that anyone can use or is it just about getting your colleagues in a, in a room and speaking to them about the event and finding a, a way to engage them in the build up? Yeah, yeah I wouldn't say it's a, a blueprint as such, but there's certainly specific steps you can take to make the process a bit easier. Uh, again, I think you've always got to go back to what the objective is of, of 
this specific event you're looking to to run and to host and you've really got to think about how that objective aligns to your business objectives and your business strategy so you you know if you're going to go and talk to senior colleagues or the management team you've really really got to understand what the what the business is trying to achieve overall and then how this event or, or initiative would would drive towards that also as I said earlier, you know, the, the focus on customer experience, uh, driving customer loyalty is key. And I think that trend is making its way into boards and senior management team uh, increasingly so. So therefore, you know, building that customer experience uh, lens into your into your sort of business case is always going to be well received. ROI is something that everybody cares about and if they don't then they probably shouldn't be in business but we've really <laughs> got to think about what what is that return on investment going to be but the way you position that internally needs to be slightly different so it depends on who you're talking to and, and who's in the audience so you might have a chief commercial commercial officer a chief revenue officer a chief product officer you know these are just some of the people who you would need to to, to get their support and buy-in so a chief commercial officer might be thinking really about the customer experience and, and driving that customer loyalty. Uh, the chief revenue officer will absolutely be wondering, well, how much will this cost and, and what's going to come out of the other side in terms of revenue, uh, short term and long term? The chief product officer might be thinking more about what's the product awareness uh, opportunity here and, and how are we going to showcase our roadmap and our overall product strategy and how are we going to uh, build engagement with our overall um, sort of product go to market. So you really got to think about all those different elements. It's not just a simple, you know, three point kind of argument. I think you've got to look at it from those people's perspectives and what they in their roles are trying to get out of any kind of event or an investment that's, uh, you know, sort of going to be critical to the business. And then I think also you've got to follow up, not, not just with, you know, what's the potential um, outcome or, or result, but also what is actually going to be needed to make it a success. So you know, don't always just think about budget because, yes, budget is important and everybody wants to know how much something's going to cost. But also on top of cost, you really need to think about other resources. So to make an event, I think, a success, especially a, a large event that I've referenced, you're actually asking a lot of internal people to travel to that event to spend a day, two, three days in a location where they, you know, they're, they're dedicating their time to do a speaking slot, giving a keynote, to network with the customers, uh, spending time away from their family, you know, all of that, you've really got to think about the people side of it internally and, and what that the impact is going to be on this, you know, the, the the separate teams with that the senior management team are responsible for. So really thinking about the kind of overarching resource need that will go into this but also any other time commitment before the event after the event and really trying to give that broad perspective and that overarching strategy for the event it is not just a one day or two day situation where it starts you know nine o'clock on the monday and finishes at five o'clock on the wednesday a large successful event takes a year to plan and it takes all sorts of different engagement internally to be able to make it a success and to be able to deliver the standard that we want to for customers. So I think there's a few key steps there, but all of them are, are just as are just as critical as each other. Given that huge time frame that, that you're talking about, I think you're absolutely right to, 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 to highlight the, the amount of building and planning that goes into the event. How how flexible do you think the business events 
model is. I mean, we can't, I mean, we're recording this uh, beginning of June uh, 2020s. So we've got to talk a little bit about um, lockdown and COVID-19. Do you think that the, there's going to be, have to be a significant rethink of how how these events work as as we start to emerge from them or do you think the the model itself is pretty healthy and people will sort of snap back to normality fairly smoothly i think that's the big question everybody wants to be able to answer right now and i'm seeing the the shifts and the movements but i have to say right now if you're asking has there been a significant shift or a significant rethink yes a hundred percent i mean you know we have zero in-person events going on right now so we've had to be extremely flexible and pivot our entire strategy extremely quickly um, i am lucky enough to have the one of the best events teams i've ever worked with you know they are seriously industry leading uh, so they have been phenomenal in in reskilling uh you know shifting their focus from in person to to virtual so we're really trying to to make sure that the virtual experiences we're driving now are our top top class. Um, in terms of what you know, in terms of the future and what that might look like. So, I lead a global team, and we're already seeing shifts in different parts of the world. So, in China, for instance, and talking to you in you know the start of June, there are already in-person events that are being organised and that are being uh, scheduled, and people are asking to go and, and attend. So we're having to look at that compared to where we might be in, you know, where I'm based in the UK, and I know many of my colleagues in the US, we're just not ready for, for an in-person event right now. And I think going forward, we do have to just think about this from a very human aspect, very empathetic aspect. So people come down on different sides of, you know, how they feel about the situation, safety, trust, all of those things really come to the fore. And as we look forward, we might be able to start to re-engage with in-person events. And I would love that to be the case because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a person who who gets energy from being around people and, and that socializing and the networking side of side of business. Um, so I really hope we can get to that. And I do believe we will. However, it will be a phased and a staged type of approach. And I think what we've got to do is stay very close to our customer base and really take you know their opinions very very seriously ask them questions ask their opinions really try and take the temperature of the the groups of people that we're trying to engage with because that's where we how we should be led in our decision making so an example at the moment is we were meant to be having uh, putting on a conference later in the year in the states and what we've done is we know we have some quite loyal attendees that do tend to to, to come every year so we're thinking right well we'll try and do a focus group with our most loyal people because they're the most likely to want to come in person I would have thought um, the people who really love coming to, to the same event so we're going to put focus groups together and really try and understand the sort of qualitative how people are feeling about these things but then also you know surveys I think we're all about to go into a world of surveys I have to say that's that is one of my predictions <laughs> yes we're all being asked for our opinions left right and center whether it's you know going back to the office or attending events or any other kind of experiences that that companies are trying to drive so it really is about that customer opinion what they really want to do and then how 
it based on those that feedback we need to make decisions but make sure that we're providing the the value that you would expect from any of these types of experiences so it's a long answer it's not a concise answer so yes no answer but um we'll see where we are i guess in in a few months or or years time as we're starting to to emerge from lockdown and as you said all different bits of the world some events are starting to come back online i think a huge part of it is going to be um the trust that customers have in your brand how do you how do you how have you been able to maintain that and how do you build it going forward do you think yeah i think trust is is front and center at the moment and we're really thinking about this from lots of different perspectives i mean as people we know we want to do business with people that we trust so human interactions and human relationships and, and customer relationships are being almost you know disrupted at the moment given everything that's going on and so finding a way to build those relationships back up and especially a kind of trust-based relationship is so important. So trying to bring the human aspect of your brand to the fore is is super important. So at the moment, you know, that could be challenging, but that could be around the speakers or like I say, just making sure that there's some kind of interactivity in your event experiences so people can just get a sense of who your people are and what they stand for and i have to say you know for for s&p global market intelligence we are our people are front and center we have a really strong uh, people first culture so we really do want to bring that to the fore because our feedback time and time again after we after we host events is that people are one of our key differentiators and our customers have amazing feedback on our people so i think that's that's first and foremost in terms of information and data that people can trust that is again more important than ever we are all reading and consuming so much more than we ever have i think and, and almost being bombarded by that so again it's been able to cut through the noise and and maybe rely on certain sources as you sort of asked me before about where do, what do you rely on to get that information expertise you've really got to think about uh, what your value proposition is and, and how it really speaks to the the sort of trusted trusted offering that you have and why uh, customers should be really coming to you and and thinking about working with you over and above maybe any of your competitors. Um, people again want to feel safe so it's a slightly different you know it's a, a, a different nuance but safe and trust I think are quite are quite closely linked so if we do start to go back to the in-person events people do want to feel safe they want to trust your company and the venue and and where they're walking into that all the measures have been followed that they know what they're getting into and you know that that everything is delivered as expected and that they go through that experience enjoying it and not having to worry so i do feel that kind of safety and trust we do have a responsibility as uh, event hosting um companies or or venues to really provide that environment of safety and i think people just want to make good decisions at the moment and we've been talking a lot about making decisions and how do you make decisions and so really that is all based on trust whatever you know whichever sort of decision you're trying to make you have to try and trust what you're you know you're reading who you're talking to the data you're ingesting whatever that might be it all comes back to trust so as we go forward it's it's so so important and um we've all got to make sure we have a responsibility to 
to deliver to people's expectations so they can trust us. Insofar as it's possible to be sort of thinking of the future on a slightly longer term, do you have a quick tip for event marketers for the next three to six months? I would say my quick tip is probably as relevant in the future as it is right now, which is around agility. So just be ready, be ready to change, be ready to learn. I think as marketers and event professionals, we're all pretty agile and, and that's what we're sort of built into our into our daily lives and our, our, our how we do our jobs generally. But we need more than ever to be ready to learn, ready to adapt, got to jump on new experiences, throw ourselves into the unknown, but always thinking about what customers are needing at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it absolutely is about having an open mind going forward and looking at things rather than having an, an, a concrete plan that we're going to try and put in place to say, how can we, let's let's think about how we can adapt and then we can change change the plan going forward. I mean, Botler were very lucky that our, our big annual customer conference happened at the beginning of February. I don't think coronavirus was really on the public radar. I, I don't particularly remember it being on there. And then, so yeah, we've got up until February to add to the, the scheduled event. We haven't decided to, to, to move it as yet, but you're right. I think I, I'm intrigued by this, the possibility of a, of a blended event where you have maybe a, some part of your audience visiting in person, then live streaming the rest. I think there's a lot of possibilities of how you manage that. I suppose my my concern there on the risk of not being empathetic is how do you persuade people to invest the money to come across to the to the real one if they can get the content online or do you go do you go fully or do you go fully online for a year and, and see if that gets the engagement and then move it back I think there's a lot of like you said I think there's a lot of question marks there's no quick short answers to any of this yeah we've been having that conversation about the sort of hybrid model of virtual and in-person and it is very clear that to get somebody to an in-person event, especially for the foreseeable future, only if it's safe, of course, uh, is absolutely what that added value is of going to the event in person ver versus dialing in virtually or being hosted online. Um, we've looked at different models where could we have the speakers together so there's the more natural rapport between the panelists or uh, you know that type of environment where we could get them into a studio to, to have that but then have the audience all virtual. We've also thought about could we have a sort of VIP side of things where you, you know there's certain customers that are invited to the in-person side of things that make it extra special so it might be some of the sort of more entertainment side of things that I've been talking about or a speaker being there that isn't actually streamed online but it is the big draw you know it might be somebody who's extremely kind of in demand in the industry or, or somebody who's going to have some really exclusive kind of insights so we're still looking at it and and certainly haven't made any of any of those decisions yet because again you know then you've got to weigh up is it right to give people different experiences based on whether they want to travel or not so I'm sure we'll all get there but I you know the industry is talking endlessly about this and uh, like I say I've got the, the the best events team who are absolutely keeping their finger on the pulse in all different regions around the world and and really just helping to to guide our decisions uh, day by day at the moment to be honest it's it really is sort of that short-termist in terms of what we've got to uh, make decisions on. Absolutely. And if people are trying to get involved and get um, take part in those kind of discussions that happen across the industry, where, where are the best places to get started if you're starting to think about how this is going to affect your events for probably for 2021 now, really, if we're honest? Yeah, well, I think there's sort of two areas that, 
you know, I've been talking to the events team about a lot and they've really thrown themselves into different networks. So there have been a lot of virtual networks set up unsurprisingly with events professionals. I don't have the, the exact names of them here, but I would say anybody who's looking into events right now or trying to make these decisions, there are a lot of these forums around and online. So they're forums that are made up of events professionals, uh, people who work at venues who are trying, you know, they're trying to get back into hosting events within their own within their own buildings. Um, so they're they're online as well, trying to figure this out. So there's sort of these forums where you've got different groups of people coming together who all have similar but slightly nuanced levels of expertise around events and they can all bring their thoughts, their experiences to the table and, and learn from each other. And I think that's been absolutely invaluable. I would say outside of just being in these sort of forums and, and talking to each other, it's also about attending other people's events online at the moment. So, you know, there's there's some of these very large conferences that have shifted online pretty quickly. And uh, I've, you know, I've attended a few of these where I'm, I'm certainly not going to name any names, but the quality, you know, some some are extremely high quality and, and some, you know, sort of less so. So you can learn from from attending as well. I wouldn't say you would learn from the decisions in terms of in-person from those, but you can definitely learn about providing that heightened level of, of customer experience from attending them yourself. Okay, yeah, like you said, I won't twist you to name any names, but <laughs> what's been what's been something that stood out for you was a really effective thing that, that or, uh, that's come from an event you've been to or virtually been to, if you like? Yeah, I think it's, it's thinking about that um, accessibility and not expecting people to sit in a room on one screen going to an event for three days. It just doesn't work and people have screen fatigue and sitting down fatigue and listening fatigue, I think, at the moment. So there's, there's, there's quite a lot of fatigue out there. You've got to somehow build the event around the different if you think about the different sections of the event that you would normally have had and then try and recreate that environment virtually, which is tough. But what you can do is offer the opportunity for people to dip in and out of these things. Um, so if you've got if you were going to have a sort of keynote session and then breakout sessions, you know, the keynote session could be uh, the, the sort of main draw as you enter the event. So that's where you really, you know, you do attract people and, and that's getting people off on a, a really strong to a really strong start in terms of the engagement levels then you might have the different breakouts and I think now even more than ever it's really important to tailor that content so that you're really drawing people into what's interesting to them right now so that might mean you've done your analysis beforehand again you've done your research beforehand finding out what people are really caring about what they're thinking about what's top of mind and really tailoring those the sort of breakout sessions and different kind of experiences that are online to their needs to to what they've said they actually they want out of these things so I think when you go in to these sort of virtual platforms as well, you want to feel like you're in a, a conference or an, an event type space, but you've got to be quite clever in how you recreate that. So I think you've got to break it up into sections, give people the chance to dip in and out as much as, as you can, build in interactivity and engagement. Um, so whether it's you know consistently asking, uh, sort of polling, um, 
really understanding how the attendees can talk to each other if there is that functionality uh, and just thinking about all the different levels of experience that you would get at a normal in-person event and how do you actually recreate that virtually and can you so we we'll just think about those those different areas that's where i've seen it done particularly well absolutely one thing i saw um bbc one well, radio one's big weekend they actually produced lanyards wristbands and access passes that you could you could buy even if you even though all the content was streamed online so yeah it, i mean i'd be interested to see see how that worked if especially in a sort of b2b context is is that just a gimmick or would that kind of thing actually work with your with with our audience like I can sort of imagine our our particular spotlight audience going for it quite well. But I don't know if it would work necessarily for everyone everyone's events. Yeah, I think it could. And, and again, you just need to think about your audience and what what you could add to that event to make it a, a heightened level of of engagement or entertainment or fun or whatever you're trying to achieve. Uh, we have been researching and thinking about you know client gifting, so using sort of online portals that if people attend a certain event they can they can log in to a portal put their details in and they get sent a, you know a, a special gift or and it's you know not, nothing too high value we're not, we're not sending a, you know a new car or anything but um, you know, just the, the, the sort of things that people would expect to get when you go to a conference you know it's a lot of sort of the branded giveaways and that type of thing but really trying to tailor it to the current situation so for instance our client gifts that we're looking at uh, providing would be things like a wellness box or a stay at home box or an entertainment box that have got you know whether it's little games or workout gear or a water bottle things like that so it's trying to be really mindful of the situation people are in and and how the gift hopefully would make people feel good and feel a little bit special but also uh is kind of useful and, and tailored and, and not tone deaf so it's kind of you know it feels like it's right for this time as well that's, that's quite a nice loop back to where we started getting the content learning and entertainment right you have to get that right as uh, ways you can yes. get that right from a from a follow-up perspective as well brilliant Let's flip the question over and say, is there any, where for these, on these comedies that have pivoted to big events, where, what sort of things have you seen where you've gone, oh no, that doesn't, that's not working, that we could, we could learn from in the other way? Well, yeah, I, I have been to, and this is on a personal level, this isn't maybe on a business level, but I was meant to be, similar <laughs> to the, the reference you made about the BBC Big Weekend, um, I was meant to be attending a festival and the organizers very you know it seemed very kind they tried to take that online but it was it was it was a live streaming of, of some of the music obviously but it they had everybody online so everybody could see each other and um it was just basically people sat in their living room so it was a weird combination of kind of people listening to music like like goggle box do you know what i mean so it's like people <laughs> yeah. sort of sat in their kitchens or in their gardens some people were dancing around a bit but you know it was just sort of watching people in their own environment maybe just having their own conversations but to music which I wouldn't say was you know one of the best experiences um whereas I've seen it differently where you can actually see the band or see the DJ you know and that actually works a bit better with the full setup that's much much more um engaging experience but that's very much from a kind of um a personal level um in terms of other pitfalls I would say that thinking that online a virtual is an easy option is a big pitfall um and I, I think that comes more from business stakeholders where we just think 
let's make everything into a virtual event because it's easy. We'll just do it tomorrow because it's easy. That is not the case at all. Even if you're going virtual, you know, we're thinking in-person events in the future or virtual events now, you still need an immense amount of planning, time, uh, thinking about all the different aspects that go into making an event great. And if, as we all know, events are super detail oriented and if you don't get every single detail right, then it can just seem terrible. It can just bring the entire level of experience completely down if one of those details hasn't been completely covered. So I would also say just working with, with stakeholders to understand that virtual is, is again not easy because of the, the practice that it might take or the technology investment that you might need to make because to to run one of these conferences that I've been talking about, which are the, the larger scale conferences, you do actually need a pretty advanced platform to be able to do that on. So I wouldn't ever underestimate the the level of investment that you might need into those virtual platforms as well. Just because it's virtual doesn't mean it's free or it's cheap. So I think that's one of the, the pitfalls that, that I've seen kind of businesses looking at as well. And then I would say just not thinking about customer experience first and foremost. So Another area that you know I've seen people jump to because because the virtual events are seen as as fairly easy. It's kind of oh let's just do this for the you know it's like for this and and it might be something that's very product focused or very um, internal. What we we call it inside out. So it's kind of what we want to achieve as a business. Let's just do it because it's easy and we'll put it on a virtual platform or whatever. And it's really not thinking about what the customer is actually wanting, what that customer experience is. Um, and just trying to kind of force feed people information through virtual channels, which nobody wants. And I think, you know, if we're all honest, there's so much going on virtually at the moment. There's quite a lot of noise out there. So to stand out from the crowd and to, to cut through that noise, you've really got to provide something that's sort of um, industry beating and, and that provides something exclusive. I think you've always got to think um, just from that customer aspect, which is, how are you going to get people to an to a virtual event um, and what is that customer experience? So is it going to give me, you know, as an attendee, is it going to give me exclusive access to something that I'm not going to be able to get elsewhere? Is it going to provide some level of entertainment that, you know, I can take away and feel good about? Or is it going to be something that helps me, that trains me, that gives me information that's going to make my job easier and better? So can I make better decisions as a, as a result of going to this as well? So sort of different levels of value that I think people take away from this. And, and if you don't put those things front and centre, you, you're sort of doomed to fail, I think. I think that's quite a nice point to wrap up on that when you when you go on, online, all the all the things about customer experience and value provision don't actually change. And, no, and it's still not. an investment. So take your time to think about it. I think that's a, a good point to, to wrap up on. So once again, thank you very much for being on. And, um, we'll, we'll leave it there. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Marketing Podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and, and enjoyed it. We'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us. Maybe leave us a review. If you can think of a topic that you, you'd like us to cover or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic, that you can reach us at marketingteam at spotler.co.uk. Thanks once again and happy marketing.